Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. Hey, thanks for joining us this morning. Wow. Was it hard to get up this morning for you? Listen, everybody, let's, let's do a little exercise this morning. In your, in your seat, kind of stretch out like this. Take a big yawn. And then say with me, I am so glad that I came to worship this morning. You are the faithful. And if you're joining us online, I hope you're comfortable with your coffee or your cocoa in your favorite chair as we are adjusting to this time change that hopefully it will be the last one in the state of Indiana until we forget what it felt like. Amen. If you're joining us from Florida, as I know many of you do, we're glad that you're online. And we just want you to know it's sunny and 75 outside here in Indiana. And you're missing it. And and plus, if you're not in the room with us today, it is just a different experience. Last night, I had the pleasure to be served by our student ministry and a, a teenage young lady. I hear I'm falling over. No, I didn't have anything to drink last night or this morning. And they just did a super got job last night, and uh, well done. The Alfredo and the spaghetti and the cheesecake and all the desserts, everything was great. It was just a great evening. And so anytime you get the opportunity to support our student ministry, children's ministry, or any of the, our ministries in the church, I hope you'll take that opportunity. In fact, somebody asked me if I was there last night. And I said, yes, I was, and I verified it with uh, two or three other people that were sitting around them just so that they would know and say, see, you just snubbed your senior pastor. (laughs) They didn't think it was that funny. Hey, we're in the bottom, or no, wait a second, it would be the top of the ninth. Next week will be the bottom of the ninth inning in our study of the Sermon on the Mount. This has been a series I call Thy Kingdom Come because I believe that Jesus, his emphasis as he's preached this sermon was Thy Kingdom Come on earth. That it was a kingdom focus, and the message this morning is entitled, To Be Real. To Be Real. And that statement meant a lot to me as a young person because it meant that what I professed is what I lived, and to live authentic Christianity was to say, I love Jesus, I follow him by the grace of God, but my life doesn't always match up to what I believe. And so authentically, there's that tension there in my life as well as in yours. So, so again, as we come to this passage, I don't want you to feel condemned. I want you to feel convicted as I am as I hear Jesus' words once again speak to me and to you. Jesus is interested in people who are willing to follow him. 
He, has, he doesn't have unrealistic expectations. As we sang about this morning, and as, I, as I'm trying to generate the energy that I've received through our worship service today, I, I've got to realize that, that Jesus calls us into his kingdom, which is a higher kingdom than any other kingdom that exists in the world. And it is the most worthy kingdom, and he is the most worthy king to follow. No one is greater, no one is better. He is the ultimate king. And as we recognize that we are citizens of this kingdom, we have to realize that we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And so every place we go, every room that we enter, we are raising the value of the kingdom of God. We are raising the temperature and, and by God's grace, through his spirit, every atmosphere, every culture, every, every room, every dynamic is being changed by the power of God living in us. And at the same time, we've got to realize this. As Jesus is going to share with us in this passage today, that there is a pretender that exists inside each one of us. And maybe it's our low self-esteem, maybe it's our anxiety that we want to portray something that we aren't. But there's a pretender that lives there, and there are pretenders that are all around us. And maybe you felt that way about someone. You just, something just doesn't all add up as you're talking to them, as you're experiencing them. They're just not being real. And, And that's probably true. But Jesus is also pointing out the deception that exists within the human heart. And that includes our own human heart. As we look at this passage in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15, we're going to go through 23 today. Jesus says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Wow! Can you imagine hearing this in the first century as we are hearing it today? That there are ravenous wolves around us that are prepared to eat us up? And what he's saying is this. He's saying that false prophets twist the words of God in a concerted effort to lead people astray. To lead you away. Amen? And we don't like to think about that. But Jesus, again, is saying something hard for our own good. Now listen, false prophets have always been around. From the very beginning. People that would lead you away from God. From the very beginning, Satan said to Adam and Eve, Did God say, did God say, did God really mean what he said? And the answer is, absolutely, he means everything that he said. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, the prophet Isaiah said said it this way. He said, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And that's going on today. Our culture is confused about what is morally right and what is morally wrong. 
But God in his word is not confused at all. Now here's a definition. A false prophet teaches or affirms something false that leads people further away from God. And as I meet with folks that are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we don't always agree on morality. In fact, I was talking with someone just in the last few weeks that that said, well, is that really sin? And it's defined in the word of God as sin. And I said to them, and I said this kindfully and respectfully as I could, that, that God has defined what sin is and what sin is not. And sin, sin is always destructive. And God wants to give us life and life to the max. Life abundantly. The other guy that we need to blame more than God is Satan. And Satan wants to kill and he wants to steal and he wants to destroy. False prophets are are in line with what Satan teaches. And, and, and they may be sincerely wrong, but they are still wrong. You see, a false prophet is not somebody who just simply makes a mistake or gets a detail wrong in their teaching. Listen, I, I am accountable. Every word I say when I preach to you, every word in, in, in every situation, I need to be careful of it. People have called me into accountability. Sometimes I've misspoke. Sometimes I've misunderstood and I've had to be corrected. That's not what we're talking about. The Apostle John warns in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, he says, Children, it is the last hour. Now, he's writing this 2,000 years ago and it's still true today. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Folks, if they have a different book, if, if they discount the deity or the divinity of Jesus Christ, if they rewrite the scripture, it is not of God. The Antichrist has two purposes. And this is Satan as I'm talking about Antichrist, but there are other Antichrists. I remember back in the 80s or 90s that somebody handed me a book to read and it was Mikhail Gorbachev when the wall came down was the Antichrist. And they thought that, that that was the end, that Jesus was going to return at that moment. Well, how many years ago was that? This has been 30 years ago. Now, he might have been a type of Antichrist, but he wasn't the one of the end. Now, two purposes of the Antichrist, number one, is he wants you to reject God. Say, well, is there really a God? Do you think there's a God of the, all the universe? I, when, when I preach through Easter, our, our next large series is going to be about doubt and dealing with doubt in our lives. About 50%, over 50% of Christians have some doubts today. Over 50% of Americans have doubts today. So we're going to spend some time talking about doubt. Number two... The second purpose the Antichrist has is this. He will distort your view of God and his word. And and a lot of people come come to the word of God, the Bible, with the attitude of this is an old book for people that lived then and there, but it doesn't have anything to say to me here and now. And that's exactly wrong. As we've looked at the Sermon on the Mount... 
we see that Jesus' words are practical, relevant for here and now, today. So I hope you're asking the question, well, what do false prophets do that's so damaging, Chris? First, they deny what the Bible affirms. They add to or take away from the gospel message. They reject the authority of God's word. They reject the deity of Christ, that Jesus was fully human and fully God. They diminish the reality and the consequences of sin. They stir up confusion and promote division. They use shame to reinforce their power. And finally, they deconstruct without ever reconstructing anything. Now, you might be unfamiliar with this last concept of deconstruction. This is real popular right now. Some Christian, Christian leaders across the nation are promoting deconstruction. To deconstruct your faith. Yeah, you're hearing me right. To tear your faith apart. The problem is, after you tear it apart, do you have anything to build on? You might say, well, Chris, that's not possible. Oh, yeah, some celebrity Christians are promoting this concept. Now, I want you to know that when I was in middle school or early high school, I had a time of doubt in my life. I'd grown up in the church. I had, I had parents that modeled authenticity. They weren't perfect, as I've spoken about before, but they were committed to uh, the God of the Bible and, and, and to the church. And, and they lived it as best they could. But I had that time of doubt, and I think every believer has that time of, of doubt where, you know, you're living on your parents' faith and those around you, but then you own it and it becomes your own. And, and that happens at different times in our lives. That's not deconstructing. That's coming to know a personal God and a personal Savior in, in, a, in a intimate way. It's a change of relationship. I think we all need to experience that at some time. But the, this deconstructionism that's going on today is not good for the people of God. And it's not good for our faith. So Jesus goes on and he says in verse 16, he says, You will recognize them by their fruits are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. And, and what he's saying here is that a false prophet is revealed by the way they live their lives. And, and so if, even if they're, they're telling for, if they're telling false doctrine, they still will, it will be seen in the way they live. And I've been associated with some great church movements over the period of my lifetime, but I, I always watch the fruit of those ministries and, and what, what the followers say and what they do and whether it's consistent with the fruit of the Spirit. And now, listen, here's another definition of a false prophet, and this is convicting to me and maybe to you. A false prophet affirms or teaches something that is true, but they fail to live it in their own lives, which leads people further away from God. False prophets always lead you away from God. The challenge here is, I'm affirming something that, true, that is true, but I'm, I'm still not living the life that I should. And so, do as I say, not as I do, that is a sign of a false prophet. 
I could be a false prophet if I don't live what I believe. Now, am I going to fail? Absolutely. Uh, Dan talked about self-examination. I think that's important. Somebody asked recently, why do we do uh, the Lord's Supper every week? And I said, well, because we like it. We want to be reminded of what Jesus did. We love Jesus and we are reminded, and we proclaim his death, but we also proclaim his resurrection. We are reminded to repent, that, that we are reminded of our sinful nature, but we're reminded of God's grace that we sang about this morning. That his redemption is so powerful in our lives. And I said it's like kissing your wife. How often do you want to kiss your wife? Well, I want to kiss her every day. And maybe even more than that. I want to remember what Jesus did for me. That redemptive, graceless act that changed the trajectory of my life. Jesus goes on in 16. He says, Our graves gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. He's saying you can identify people by their actions. And for us who live by the Spirit, in the Spirit, through the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, not, not just the gifts of the Spirit, should rule in our lives. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control should reign in our lives. And so you will know them by the way they act. Do they bear the fruit of the Spirit? And we've got to stop and question, even in our own lives, is there always discord in my life or in their life? Is there always division in my life, in their life? Is there always disruption in my life, in their life? Now that sounds pretty dramatic, doesn't it? You might just ask the simple question, is there always drama surrounding you or them? If it is, is, are they of God? Are they professing something they really are not living? Jesus goes on and he says this in verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. You're saying, well, we're, we're saved by grace through faith. Isn't that enough? Now, you, I hope you're asking, well, what is the will of the Father? And, and I would say simply two grades, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. The Great Commission is our, basically our vision statement, but basically it's in Matthew chapter 28. In the latter verses, it says that Jesus said before he left them, he says this. Go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Our, our vision statement is the Great Commission, guiding people home, guiding them to the heavenly kingdom, to the, the Father's house, teaching them, baptizing them, and then teaching them to obey the word of God. 
Not our will, but thy will, his will be done. And then the great commandment is simply this. Love love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, with all thy strength. And to love thy neighbor as thyself. Just treating people how you want to be treated. That's an act of good will. It's an act of grace. Tim Keller says it this way. We are, not saved not, we are saved not because we do these things, but because we are saved, we want to do those things. But Jesus says this. He says in verse 22, he says, But on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? This is, there, there are three things here he says. I mean, they prophesied. And cast out demons in your names? I've never cast out any demons. I've wanted to cast out some demons before, but, but never have. And, and do mighty works in your name? Here are people that have done great things for God. And then, well, I declare to them, this is what he says. I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, they're doing great things for God, but they're not living in the fruit and bearing the Spirit of God. And, and, and Jesus doesn't say you were never saved. Notice he doesn't say that. He says, I never knew you. And you see this, these words, I never knew you. This was re- about a relationship with God. This is living and breathing in, 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 in harmony and communion, in spirit, in prayer, and living your life before God authentically. Being real before God. Jesus is is saying here, don't let the imposter rise up within you. Just be real and honest with me. Because you can't fool Jesus. You can't fool God. You can't fool the Holy Spirit. So you might as well just be up front and outright with them and say, here's my struggles. Here is the tension. This is not what I want to be. This is not who I am. Father, change me. Transform me. I want to work in cooperation with you. But a lot of times, pride in our lives is what stops us. And pride is thinking too much about yourself and not enough about what God wants and His will in our lives. Pride is always faking it. It's always pretending. It's always hiding. And the only one who's cheated is you. Because that's hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is inconsistency between what I say I believe and how I actually live. And it's not recognizing the difference. And a lot of times we're self-righteous. And that's dangerous. Because we can see it in others, that speck that's in their eyes. But we can't see the log in our own. Because we're afraid of it. We don't really want to know it. And that's what we really have to do is just confess it before God. You know, we want to be consistent with what we say and what we say we believe and how we live. But that's that's a struggle. And I want to challenge you this week. There's just three simple things in application for this message this morning, what Jesus says. First of all, face your reality boldly. Here's where I am. Here, here's what I don't like about me. Here's where I fail consistently. And Father, I, I need to change that. 
We all have that in our lives. And then tell ourselves the brutal truth. We're a sinner, but but there's something that we can do with our sin. We can turn it over to a gracious God who forgives. And, And third, be broken before God and someone else. We need somebody to be accountable to. I have a group that I'm accountable to. I have a person that I'm accountable to, that, that I share my failures and, and, and my struggles. I take them before the Father, and He forgives me, and He will forgive you. And that's a continual process. We never outgrow that. We never arrive. That's the struggle that we have. But we can smile because we are the Father's child, and His grace is sufficient. His his, his grace covers that blood that Jesus shed has redeemed us. James says it this way in the area of accountability and having that person. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This week I want to challenge you. As you look in the mirror, maybe you're fixing your hair. Maybe you're follically challenged like I am, so you're not fixing your hair. You're shaving it. But when you're in front of a mirror, just pray, God, what do you see and what is it in my heart that I need to surrender to you? What area, what, what, what fault, what sin, what mistake? And, and, and receive that forgiveness and that healing that only God can give. Because he is faithful and he is just to forgive you. Thy kingdom come on earth will you please stand and pray with me Father just now we come before you as saved sinners always in need of your grace and Father as we look to you for for deliverance for forgiveness to continue in that redemptive work to grow in Christ that we might bear forth fruit, that we might know you, Lord. We just pray that you would do the work that you need to do. And Father, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, we pray that you will do. And we trust that you never give up on us, that what you began in us, you will continue to do that work in us. And Father, we just thank you that you are a God that pursues, that you are a God that forgives, that you are a God that gives grace. And Father, we just pray, we just pray that that transforming work will be seen and others will be drawn to you, that others might know you because of the work you do inside of each one of us. And we just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come this morning?